Greetings, everyone. Well, here we are again, and it looks like this is going to be our normal, at least for the foreseeable future. Again, New Hope family, I want to encourage you to continue what you are doing a great job of right now, which is staying in touch with one another and encouraging each other. Uh, we need each other uh, now as much as ever before, and so I want to just encourage you to continue to reach out to and care for one another as best we can uh, during these difficult circumstances. I am thankful for technology and for the opportunity that we have to continue, uh, at least in worship. Uh, and, and although we are not gathered together for our corporate church service as we do this, this at least gives us some connection and, and an opportunity to uh, worship around the Word of God, and I pray that uh, you all have been blessed and will continue to be blessed as uh, we have our sermons in this format. Uh, so thankful for Mike and Allison uh, Schmucker and the work that they have done to get the information out to you all and the different links out to you all faithfully uh, each week. Uh, if you get a chance to encourage them, please do so. Uh, they are certainly a gift to the church. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at the triumphal entry from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 48. And what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to obviously turn there uh, to Luke chapter 19. It's a rather lengthy passage of scripture, and I'd, I'd like it if you would follow along with me in your Bibles. Uh, but also, if you uh, have a bookmark or, or a piece of paper that you could slip into uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, we're going to wrap up there this morning, and that's another uh, section. It's not a long section that we're going to be reading, but it's an opportunity uh, for us to to look ahead uh, for something great uh, uh, for all believers to be longing for and expecting in the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, while you are doing that, I want to just update you on the prayer request that went out uh, last week. Or, um, concerning Maddie Klipstein. Thank you all for praying for her and continuing to pray for her. She is still hospitalized. Uh, her initial tests came back negative for the coronavirus, um, but um, the doctors and nurses suspect uh, she may have a false negative. She might actually have the virus, but uh, the test failed. Um, she is actually doing better. Uh, today is, uh, I, I'm doing this on Saturday. Uh, I received word this morning that uh, she is doing much better today. Uh, she's actually able to uh, to breathe much better than she has been before, and, and her appetite is returning. She still has a long road ahead. Uh, if this is not the coronavirus, then the doctors would really like to know what is causing uh, this illness in her. And so please continue to pray for the Klipstein family. They are so thankful to know uh that there are literally people all over the United States praying for their daughter uh, during this time. And, and I certainly, as your pastor, want to thank you for uh, praying uh, for people that you do not know, but uh, you, you know and love the Wickers and, and you are supporting us in this way by praying uh, for them. So thank you for that. Uh, Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. So let's dive in. And when he, speaking of Jesus, had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, 
Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, the message of this passage. And I pray, Lord, that it would give your people peace. Peace, Lord, in a time when there is so much turmoil around us. Uh, Lord, peace uh, as we understand that because through you, Jesus, we have peace with God eternally. Lord, we need not fear whatever we face in this life. Lord, I pray that you would use this passage to prepare our hearts even for what we will celebrate next Sunday in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Help me, Lord, to speak clearly and well, and Lord, help your people to listen with a desperate hunger for you, that your church would be strengthened even in these times of trial, and Lord, that you would use us as lights in this dark world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you could tell from uh, my prayer, one of the things that I want to focus on uh, from Luke chapter 19 this morning is is, uh, on this idea of peace. And this is a time where our need for for true peace in these troubling times uh, is as great as it's ever been because we are tempted to be anxious and fearful. 
Now, you may wonder where the the concept of peace comes from in this passage, and you'll see that it is all over it. I am indebted to uh, Pastor Tabiti Anyuible uh, for his work on this passage. He, he's a pastor that has highlighted well uh, this theme of peace uh, through Luke chapter 19. And uh, in my study, I have found his work on it very encouraging as well. Uh, but peace is really an important theme that we find throughout the Bible. And it's one that we would do well as the people of God to understand, as those who have been offered and have received true peace through our Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, the word peace is translated from the Hebrew word shalom or salom, which means to be complete or sound, in unity with. And it's used often in the Old Testament in reference to the Lord, but it's also used in reference to one another, being at peace with your fellow man. Now, the New Testament picks up on this idea of, of, of being complete or sound or in unity with, but, but takes it even further in the sense that the focus of the New Testament moves almost exclusively to the peace that we have because we are at peace with God. In fact, really, true peace should be something that, that, that is only accessible to Christians because we have peace with God. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. Uh, today, as we look at uh, these verses, I I'm going to tackle them under two main headings, the first one being peace proclaimed, and then the second, uh, peace denied. And really, it's my prayer that as we work through this passage, that, that we would experience the, the peace that we have been offered through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I say that because, you know, whether it be social media or conversations that we have with friends and family that are unsaved, well, we are encountering people who are dealing with a great deal of anxiety, and, and really it is well-founded for them. I mean, you think about not just what's going on with the virus, but, but even some of the changing, changes that are taking place in society and, and, the, and the different restrictions that we are uh, submitting ourselves to with the hopes that it would shorten uh, this pandemic that's going on. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of things that people are anxious about today. Well, well, Christian, I want to encourage you that because of your faith in Christ, you, you need not fear anything that we encounter now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be cautious, and we should certainly be compassionate as we uh, encounter and try to encourage those that, that don't have the same peace that we have. Uh, but we need not worry. We need not be anxious, and we need to be faithful in pointing those who do not know the Lord to the Lord as the source of true peace in this world. Now, as we consider the context here, I mentioned before that this is often referred to as, as Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It, it marks the beginning of the week that leads up to his crucifixion and, and resurrection, which we will celebrate next Sunday. And in verse 28, we, we see that Jesus and his disciples are heading to Jerusalem. Now, uh, I mentioned that, that peace is all over this passage, and, and Jerusalem really is uh, our first reference to peace here in, in Luke chapter 19. Uh, 
the 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 name Jerusalem uh, is believed to, to to mean foundation of peace. So Jesus is heading to this city. Uh, Jerusalem was where the temple was located. It was where the Jews were called back to for worship. In the the book of Revelation, even, we see that a new Jerusalem will descend from heaven where God will dwell with his people. So Jerusalem is an important place, both the old Jerusalem that that we read about now, but also the promise of a new Jerusalem. It, It represents God's union, God's presence with his people. Now, that description of the New Jerusalem is glorious, and I would encourage you to go, to go read in Revelation what, what the Lord says, uh, or what John writes about his witnessing of this New Jerusalem as it descends from heaven. He says there'll be no need for an actual sun, S-U-N, the star which gives light to our world, because the very presence of God, the glory of God, will give light to that city. Jerusalem represents the people of God in the presence of God, experiencing the true peace with God. That's, that's what we have to look forward to. And, and the old Jerusalem, which, which exists now, represented that in part for the people. Now remember, that's where the temple was. And Jerusalem and the temple represented the Jews' unique position as the people of God. And as Jesus approaches the city, he does so representing a a peaceful king. Well, where do I get that? I'm I'm glad you asked. As we look at verses uh, 29 through really uh, up to 35, we, we, we see this picture of Jesus approaching uh, the city as a peaceful king. Uh, let me read that to you. It says, When he, Jesus, drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Now, the picture there, I, wrote, I actually read it into 36. Um, there, there were two ways that, that a king would approach a city in ancient times. He would either come on a mighty steed, a horse, and when he came in that way, he was coming as a king that was coming to conquer. But if it was a king who was coming in peace, he would ride on a donkey. So, so Jesus... There, this is not by accident that, that Jesus sent his disciples to, to, to pick up this colt on which no one else had ever sat. And the reason he, it was to be a colt that no one else had ever sat on um, was because it was to be sanctified for this purpose, set apart that the only person, the first person ever to ride it would be the true king of peace, Jesus. Now, this is in fulfillment of a prophecy that we see in Zechariah, Chapter 9, verse 9. Let me read that to you. 
It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus is not hiding who he is as he arrives. Zechariah chapter 9 verses 9 through 17 presents the Messiah as the king who delivers and brings peace to his people. And so Jesus coming to Jerusalem on a colt that has never been ridden makes a clear statement that he is indeed the king who will bring peace to his people. This is is a powerful picture. This is not by accident. And his disciples then throw their cloaks, their outer garments on the donkey to serve as a makeshift saddle. And then the multitude of his followers did the same thing to the road to Jerusalem, making a, a, a carpet, if you will, for him to ride in on. It was, a, it was an amazing scene. It truly was a triumphal entry of our Lord. And as he draws near to Jerusalem, the crowds began singing his praises. Verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So we have the, 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 the King of peace, Jesus, coming, coming as a, a king in peace to the city of peace, the foundation of peace. And the people are singing praises of peace. It really was a royal parade of peace that, that's taking place here. And, and we'll see that, that, that the people were ignorant to, to the extent of, of everything that was going on here. They had a much different idea of what Jesus as the Messiah would accomplish for them. But, but to sing his praises, they got it right. It was the proper thing to do. Let that sink in. Jesus is coming to make peace, not in the way that that, that the crowds anticipate, but Jesus knows what's going to happen on this upcoming Friday. He he, he knows what's going to happen the following Sunday. And, And he comes receiving this praise with the burden of the price that he's going to have to pay in order to make peace between God and man. Now, brothers and sisters, each of the Gospels record the triumphal entry. It's key for setting the stage for everything that's going to happen in this holy week leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. It was a joyful day for the people, with the exception of the Pharisees and the temple money changers, as we'll see, For them, it was a day of peace denied. We see this in verses 39 through 46. It says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace? There's that word again. But now they are hidden from your eyes. 
For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now I'll read verses 45 through 48 as we work through these passages or through this passage. But in verse 39, we see that some of the Pharisees simply could not take seeing Jesus praised in such a way. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Don't don't let them continue. They they saw the events unfolding with this triumphal entry as, as blasphemous. Jesus was only a teacher in their eyes, definitely not the Messiah. Rebuke your disciples. Make them stop, Jesus. Shut them up. They're treating you as a king. Jesus brought no peace for the Pharisees because they were jealous of him. They wanted him dead. But Jesus answered to their their command, their appeal for him to stop this is astounding. He says, I tell you that if these, these people, these disciples were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is not hiding who he is to these disciples. He he does not downplay the praise of the people. In fact, he magnifies it. He deserves this praise. And he would not deny them the opportunity to get it right this time. But in all this celebration and in all this joyous praise of the coming King of Peace, really something unexpected happens as Jesus draws near the city. And that's his weeping at the condition of Jerusalem. He says, would would that you, even you, you had known on this day the things that make for peace. Their true king was right before their eyes. But but in just a few short days, even some of those singing the praises of Jesus would be screaming for his execution. Let the ugliness of that situation sink in. Because this truly is the ugliness of sin. One day they are recognizing at least in part, his kingship over them. And less than a week later, they are screaming for his death. Sin blinds us to the truth of who Jesus is. Friends, we know many people, and perhaps there may be some even watching this video, who do not know who Jesus is. Their, their involvement with him or their, 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 their purpose with him is to use his name as a, as a swear or as a joke to, to blaspheme him. And to deny him is to deny the salvation that he offers. And this is the same type of unbelief that that, that Jesus is weeping 
over as he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. Specifically, the, the people who had rejected the Old Testament prophets who prophesied that this day would happen, that the King, the Messiah, would come in peace to Jerusalem. These people in Jerusalem were, were the people who had perverted the ministry of the priests. They were the people who had profaned the worship of the God whose presence once dwelt in the temple. And he wept over the people who would in a short time put to death the Son of God. For all the celebration and cheer that surrounded Jesus' arrival, the the people had no clue, even though they had been warned. Verse 42, Jesus continues, he said, If you only knew, but no, that's been hidden from you. It was God's will that they reject him and send him to the cross. And in verses 43 and 44, we we see that there will be consequences for their rejection of Jesus. It says, The days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. There would be no peace for Jerusalem because of their unbelief. Now, Jesus is referring to what would take place in just in, in not even 40 years from the day that he spoke those words when the Romans would lay siege to Jerusalem and ultimately destroy it, destroying the temple, not one stone left upon another. The king of peace was among them and they failed to realize it and repent of their sins. And there would be consequences. Jerusalem would be destroyed. In verses 45 and 46, we see with the cleansing of of the temple that Jesus also denied peace to the temple merchants, those who had... uh, profaned the worship that, that was to take place there in the glory uh, for the glory of God. Verses 45 and 46, it says, When Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Then in verses 47 and 48, we see that Jesus' presence in the temple daily denied peace even further to the religious leaders. It said, and as he was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. Now, that's an interesting picture because really during the Holy Week, when when Jesus would show up daily and, and teach in the temple, would teach the people He was giving a foretaste of that day when the new Jerusalem comes down and the presence of God is with the people every day. But even in that, there was no peace for the religious leaders because they wanted him dead. 
Now, there's an important thing we must understand from this passage, brothers and sisters, and that's this. We cannot be at peace with God unless it is under his terms. Now, it's popular for people to, to, to set forth this idea that there are multiple ways to, to salvation or, or, or to heaven. But Jesus makes it clear that there's really only one, and that is through faith in him. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. But yet he gave his life on the cross where he bore God's wrath, God's anger towards our sin so that we would be forgiven, all who turn to him in faith. He rose from the dead as the proof that all who turn to him in faith would be declared righteous in the sight of God, acceptable to him, restored to him forever, so that on that day when, when, when the new Jerusalem comes down, we will be numbered among those people who are in the presence of God. That is the only way to be at peace with God. And if you've yet to, to respond in faith to the gospel, let today be the day that you receive this gift of salvation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I close, I, I want to point a couple of things out. First of all, it's important that we remember that Ju Jerusalem did indeed fall to the Romans almost four years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And by this time, there were a number of Christians in Jerusalem. And they were not spared from the trials that, that Jerusalem faced when, when, when it fell to Rome. They suffered the same trials as the unbelievers, even the religious leaders who had conspired to put Jesus to death. And this is a great Example of what life is like in this fallen world, even for believers. Believers and unbelievers alike deal with sickness. We deal with war. We deal with death, with one vital difference. Christian, you have been restored to God. You have been reconciled to God. You have peace with God because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We should not be anxious under trials. And we must seek to glorify him in how we endure these trials. Anxiety is something that we are all tempted by, believers and unbelievers alike. But Christian, I want to speak to you for a moment. Understand that that anxiety is simply another form of unbelief. And when an unbelief is sin... And so when we are tempted to be anxious, we should repent. We should turn away from it. We should pray and ask God for help, for, for the faith that we need to, 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 to be able to, to continue to trust him, even as the things that we see are frightening to us. Now, we have the promise from the book of Hebrews that we can go to Jesus in our time of need and we will find help from him. So, so I don't say this to shame you, but to encourage you that when we are anxious, that, that is the reminder, that is the, the warning sign that we need to go to him in faith. We, we need to, to, to seek his help, to have faith, not fear during times like this. We need to be compassionate for those who suffer in times like this. 
We, we need to encourage them. We need to, to share the gospel with those who do not know him. We need to fight anxiety with the truth. That, that's turning to God's word. We, we need to fight anxiety through praising God regularly. We, we need to fight anxiety through being consistent to go to God in prayer. We, we need to fight anxiety by being faithful to remind others of what is true and so on. We of all people, Christians, should be brave at this time. Not because we can muster up courage within ourselves, but because we have peace with God. Our sins have been forgiven. We need not fear. We need not fear a virus that we can't see. We need not fear enemies who who may seek to, to tear us down because we are secure in Christ. This is the greatest news. Our security can't be in our bank account. Our security cannot be in the amount of food that that may be in our pantries. Our security cannot be in in simply found in in masks that we wear to to protect us from germs. Now, we we want to prepare and we want to be wise and, and we want to be generous and care for others. But these are just steps of wisdom. Our our confidence must ultimately be found in the Lord. Where does your faith lie, Christian? We we, we need not hoard up things to, to, to try to survive this pandemic. We want to be wise. We want to plan. But if there are those who are in need for the glory of God and to, and to represent Christ well. We must be prepared to give and, and care for others. We, we need to show kindness to others who, who, who may be sick or are fearful of, of becoming ill. We, we need to be faithful to proclaim the truth. This is not the time for, for Christians to, 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 to join in the, the political uh, shaming and slamming of, of people that we disagree with. This is our time to shine the light of Christ, to, 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 to share the message of the God of peace. Because in the triumphal entry, Jesus came as a peaceful king riding on a donkey. But I, I mentioned that we're going to close with, with Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, which talks about when Jesus is going to come again. And it won't be on a donkey. Now remember, I mentioned there were two ways a king came to town, either on a donkey or on a steed. And when he came back on a steed, a horse, that meant he was coming to take over. Listen to Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, which describe how the Lord is going to return to earth. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed 
in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When Jesus returns, it will not be to make peace, but instead to take over once and for all. Will we be ready? Christian, will you be ready for that return? Non-believer, will you be ready? The only way that you can be ready is to respond in faith to what the King of Peace has done because when he returns to take over, it will be too late. You have heard the gospel, non-believer. Respond in faith. Trust him. Trust him to, to, for, for, for the price that he's paid to, 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 to bring about your redemption in your sin. You deserve punishment, but Jesus has borne that punishment for you that you can be called a son or daughter of God. That is the only way to be prepared for his return. Christians, for us to be prepared for his return means that we need to live our lives in a way that shows that we are looking to it. We don't trust in the things of this world, but we live in a way that that shows that we value his return. Let us make ourselves ready, brothers and sisters. Lord willing, we're going to have a short video on Friday to, to, to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ and then another sermon and, and songs uh, for Sunday morning where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I pray that this week for each one of you will be a week of preparation, preparing your hearts to, to celebrate the greatest news ever for the child of God. Because Jesus rose from the grave, we are secure. We are righteous before God. We have been redeemed. I look forward to celebrating that with you next week, brothers and sisters. Thank you and God bless you.